Special guest this week, Spencer Segura. What's happening, boys? Hey, Spencer's in town. Uh, his his uh, his mom uh, still lives in town here, so he's here uh, to see her. And and uh, I, I met uh, Spencer for lunch at the Beverly Hills Tennis Club. Now hmm. that is a name from the past. That's wow. where I first came. Hmm. I met Spencer. We were 15 years old to work with his dad. So it's kind of uh, some uh, some good old good old memories from there. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Good to see you, Brad. I can. I remember before you were born, even. <laughs> That's yeah. how long I've known you. Uh, but, um, you know, it's great to c- come back to the great weather of Southern California. I'm living in Darien, Connecticut, which is a beautiful place, but it's uh, the East Coast. Yeah, not and, exactly. Uh, so yeah. I miss the, the weather. And so whenever I get out here, uh, I just love it. And so today I was at the Beverly Hills Tennis Club where, you know, Jimmy and I kind of grew up from the age of, I was there from the age of about 12. He got there when he was about 15. Great memories, great tennis, probably uh, the mecca of Southern California tennis, including, of course, the L.A. club, which had the tournaments, but we had the the players. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Well, but there, there, when, when his dad was uh, was there, I mean, you know, for me to come there, it was, uh, it was an eye-opener. Uh, you know, Brad, I came from a little town in Illinois, and all of a sudden to be at the Beverly Hills Tennis Club, and, and, and I'd, I'd hit it with Spencer, and we'd sit around and have uh, have a Coke, and all of a sudden, Pancho Gonzalez, and Charlie Passerell, and, and Rod Laver, and and uh, Ken Rosewall and Stan Smith and you know what all what all pass through and 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 want to play there. So the tennis that not only you could play but also could uh, could watch was was pretty spectacular. But yeah. but uh, but but back in those days, you know, Spencer and I, you know, we, we grew up, we played together, <laughs> uh, uh, we went out on the circuit together, and and uh, I think after three or four years on the uh, on the circuit after after we, we turned pro, after I turned pro, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spencer deserted me and went to law school. Oh God! <laughs> you know, I said, you know, I said, <laughs> I I said to, you're giving up tennis for that and, backup plan. And, that was like back. going to crowbar college. <laughs> that was brutal, but uh, yeah, but it was a great time there and. Uh, how has it changed? Well, the, cl- the club after, well, my dad was the pro until like 70, but we're, we're aging ourselves. But uh, after 70, when he left, he went to La Costa, which was a very uh, uh, beautiful tennis mecca also, which he built it into. Uh, started out with four courts and ended up being about 28 courts. We had two grass, two clay, hmm. big tournament. Jimmy, I think, won it once. Uh, every, everybody played the tournament. And um, but what happened was sort of a migration away from the Beverly Hills Club of the great players because there were the tennis just kind of evaporated uh, through the 80s. And then just recently, it's had a huge resurgence through Joe Sugarman, who's a famous ENT doctor and tennis enthusiast who, um, you know, kind of like loves tennis and encouraged, uh, got Jimmy to come back, got a lot of the top players to come just to be there and reminisce. And then all of a sudden it's. It's where Osaka practices. It's where when Djokovic's in town for the Palm Desert, all the players were there. Tommy, Tommy Haas is yeah. living in L.A. He plays there, mm-hmm. teaches his daughter there. So all of a sudden, it's got all these players. And, and now there's a waiting list of over 30 people, 30 families. It's sold out. Hmm. It's not a cheap club. I think it's like 25000 to join and hmm. 15 or so in dues. So five courts, a, a steam bath and a dining room, basically a swimming pool. Right. Yeah. But, but, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, let, let's be fair though. Yeah. When you when your dad was there, yeah. your, your dad was the draw. Yeah. My dad uh, was loved it. Loved to, uh, loved people. He had all the movie stars. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. you guys had a lot of tennis yeah. names, but yeah. that's like only half of them. No. Right? So you had all the movie stars there and you had give all me the, some names. Well, I'll give you one little story. There was this, um, 
very pretty girl working in, this is how I recall it, you know, when they tell stories, you sometimes they change <laughs> as everybody tells them. Embellished. But, uh, yeah, uh, Candy Spelling, uh, the, the wife of Aaron Spelling, evidently was working in Jack's, which is a very high-end women's store where only beautiful ladies were allowed to work. And my dad invited her over, and um, he was thinking of, that she should meet Kirk Kikorian. And she ended up meeting Aaron Spelling <laughs> at the club, I think. There's stories like that. Another, there were so many of these gorgeous girls. My dad liked women. Thank, uh, I guess that's yes, good. Think. <laughs> and so we had all these starlets, too, that wanted to meet um, you know, the man of their dreams. All the big agents were members, the producers. Uh, mm. Richard Zanuck was a member. The Gersh family was a, their big agents. Uh, you had every act. So what were the actors? Kurt Douglas, Dean Martin. Frank Sinatra, Gilbert Roland, Gilbert Roland, yeah. the old film star. Uh, you had all the silent film from Arthur, from Groucho Marx. She's mm -hmm. um, go back. Richard uh, Windmark, Frederick March, all the old movies. Charlie Chaplin. They were oh, all yeah, members. I love Chaplin. Uh, so many. Buster Keaton, I'm leaving out a lot. I don't know. I'm leaving out a lot of members and directors and writers. So it was a unique club. Bob Town, Robert Town yeah, took Robert lessons Town. from my dad. You had all the Jimmy Kahn took uh, came to come there when he was on his way up, was starting out. Uh, so we had all those guys around, and they liked tennis. They're watching us. We're like 15, 16. They wanted to play or hang out. So we got some of that benefit. We got to go. They invite us places, and, and it was a happening. It was, a, it was a real unique era, which I think was 60s and early 70s, the, the end of the glamorous part of, uh, in my opinion, the real glamour of Hollywood, where um, you know people came from all over the world to try and make it in Hollywood. Uh, multi-talented from stage actors to mm -hmm. remember the Michael Crawford, remember him? Yeah, yeah. So Michael Crawford was uh, the phantom, you know, of the opera. The he opera. was a great yeah. sing, song and dance uh, trained guy from England. He could really do everything. He came out to do hello Dolly. And uh, I played tennis with him and we held a tournament in his name at Jack Hansen's. And uh, you had everybody there from Warren Beatty, Steve McQueen, they all watch all the matches. And Michael then went on to become a huge star. Uh, through um, multiple, yeah. you know. That's cool, though, that uh, Osaka's playing there and a lot of the players now, kind of like Bridges that, yeah. you know, that has yeah. come full circle. I mean, that you had an average day, Jim will tell you. He would be, you had Ash and Passero from UCLA. This is when we were really young. You had Smith. My dad taught Smith from his age of 12. So you had Smith all, uh, once a week. Those guys were there when we were 15. Six. And then you had Gonzalez just come see my dad and play, play there every day. If he was in town, he was there every day. So then, then you had, then we when we went to UCLA, had the whole most of the UCLA team. We'd bring them, you'd bring over like Jeff Austin or and the Christ family. We're all good, great players. Uh, so you had so much depth that every court had a good game on it. I yeah, mean, but so, Southern, yeah. Southern California, you yeah. said it was the yeah. mecca of tennis. Yeah, it really was. And, and uh, we had uh, UCLA, USC yeah. were, were you yeah. know, the powerhouses of tennis yeah. back then. And, and uh, you go to the L.A. Tennis Club and you know, we, we, could, we could play for two weeks uh, every day, twice a day and never play the same player twice. Practice yeah, with right, them twice, right. and, and, and yeah. you know what an education for you know for us young and, and you know our dreams were to, to try to be try to be as good as we could be and, and go out on this tour and, and be the best in the world. That's what mm -hmm. our dreams were. So yeah. you know to have that uh, that kind of competition and you know that uh, that at our fingertips just daily. Yeah. You know all you, you have gotta, to do is make a call and you have go to UCLA. He's and I'm not, he's not going to get mad at me, but he started out as three on the team. Yeah. Ramirez, uh, what's his name? Haroon Rahim from Pakistan and Jeff Broviak was one. Broviak had won the NCAs. We had 12 man team. We had that many. We had 12 good players. 
you know, the number 12 wouldn't give Jimmy a good match, but it, would give, it wouldn't be a bad match. Yeah. You know, it was that. And Balance. he was just coming up. So he had this great competition. Just on, He didn't even have to leave UCLA. Right. Now yeah. you leave UCLA and you've got Ash, everybody, Gonzalez at the Beverly Hills Club. So that was like the extra edge that he mm -hmm. had going for him that, uh, you know, not everybody. Got, he got to play the best players in the world from, I'd say, 17 on. Right. Literally. And that's yeah. and back then, it's and they were all right here. We didn't have to. You didn't have to go anywhere. There, this, there. What time you want to meet me? Yeah, <laughs> and it wouldn't even make that. You show up. Gonzalez says, "I'll around. see you around around three. You know, you're playing the number one, one of the greatest players in the world. Just says maybe I'll play. You come over. And you're yeah. waiting. You're waiting. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter how long. You sit there and wait for him. And yeah, yeah. yeah but but Pancho uh, Pancho Gonzalez was a one of a kind. I mean, yeah. he'd come in. I remember first meeting yeah. him and yeah. and uh, seeing him play. And for for two or three weeks. He'd just walk right by me, you know, and and uh, and, and and then all, all of a sudden, you know, he comes in and he says, uh, uh, "I'm hitting with you in five minutes." How old was he then? Forties, forties. Yeah. And you're like eight, 17, 18? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh no, early, uh, earlier, 15, 16. 15, 16. Yeah. 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 And, and he's and, a big dude. He's not. He's kind of intimidating. He was Very intimidating. Doesn't say yeah. He doesn't say hello to people. He, he had a sort of chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And uh, which is, that's an interesting story. But it's a, it was a good chip. I yeah. Mean, I feel was, like he, he doesn't get enough love in tennis. He, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he felt, and if you look back on it, the guy was, uh, you know, came from the, he was from a middle class Mexican family from downtown LA. And he felt that he was discriminated against, which he probably was. And so he had the big chip on his shoulder. My dad, whereas my dad didn't have any of that. But my dad's idea was you're in America, you got a shot. Yeah, Gonzalez is what they're trying to trying to screw me, <laughs> you know, that, and that translated through his whole life. But uh, it made for such an exciting guy on the court because, other than I mean, I watched today's guy. Well, I don't want to say anything about today, but uh, uh, these he, he drew in the audience tremendously, mm -hmm. as did my father, as is Jimbo and Nasty, and you know, there's a handful of guys that really drew the entertainment part of tennis and. Uh, it's sad most of them were back then. Maybe it's the rule changes. But yeah. I don't, you know, so, uh, but this guy was dynamic. Everybody, you sell out every crowd, you know. Yeah. But it's good to see the resurgence of the Beverly Hills Club, yeah. you know, with yeah. all that. And, and uh, I hope they, those who come understand what it was back then and, and uh, you know, try to keep that, uh, yeah. that reputation alive. Be good. Seems like they will. I think uh, one of the cool things that you're saying about having that many people at your fingertips back then was, people played so many different styles, you know, like yeah. with the technology and everything now, like right. it almost makes it so you have to play a certain way, you know, at least 80% of your game or something, you know? Yeah. Um, but back then you had serving volleyers, you guys yeah. stayed back, chipping chargers, you know, like, so you were able to have so many practice partners that helped sharpen you against right. each tactic. Yeah, that's, that's so Jimbo was, you know? Jimbo was not a cement type player when he came out. No, he was more, uh, he had, he didn't miss a ball super quick. Never missed him. You had to, you know, wear him. But he didn't play aggressive at first. Yeah, how, how would you say he changed the most from when you first saw him play to, from, like, what uh, he became? Well, he I think his return was always very good. But once he started step, he would take the ball on the rise much more and then come into the net behind his shots. Follow Not in. first shot, but he'd come in. You hit two balls and he's on top of you. Where he first came, he didn't have that. He was you know, growing still, but he didn't <clears throat> apply that to the extent that he would used to dominate the game. And that's how his game, you know, when you're saying everybody has a different style. So the guys like Stan Smith or Arthur Ashe that were out here, serve and volley guys, and depending on their serve, they lived or died and the surface. So you go play Wimbledon or US Open, the ball didn't bounce then. They've changed the whole game by making the 
ball come up. So a guy like Smith, he could dominate uh, in those and get very do well at those tournaments. He goes to the French Open. He's a first round loser. Stan, I'm sorry if you're here listening to this. I don't know if you lost the first round, but his, he probably could be a first round loser. Arthur Ashe, great player. He would play play Davis Cup against Ecuador, lose to Pancho Guzman on clay. These guys could not play on clay. You you were more of a you had more of a clay court game than them. So today, uh, that game is out of fashion. So all and that's that's maybe why Southern California, no not a lot of clay courts. All the big serve and volley game gone out of the game because they changed the game to slow it down to make it more like a clay game to favor European style playing. And they've done that. And that's kind of what you're seeing today. The game is basically clay on all surfaces. Homogenized. Yeah. And so I think it's been damaging because everybody playing the same, it's boring. It's like watching ping pong. Yeah. So for the record, Stan Smith, two first round losses at the French so Open. I just guessed that. Just to, but also two grand slams. So oh, yeah. Not so bad. On grass. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then Jimbo comes along and he's got this return. And Stan Smith's not super fast, but he's, he's fast. He's not, he's not fast height, like nasty he's or he's not lightning fast. Okay. He's not like uh, Momphy or Federer. Well, he's a he, pretty tall guy, though. He, yeah, he's too tall. Yep. But so now you get a guy, this guy's returning your serve as hard as you're serving it almost. So now guys are having. So by stepping in with his return that he had that no one had, he was able to dominate the game. So, I so just to, yeah. just and to I add. think also, right, because yeah. so much of the game was sort of volley yeah. and one hand backhands that you would catch a lot of people probably on their way in, you know, you'd step in, take that time yeah. and you'd catch them in that no man's land on their right. way into right. the net. Not so easy to do though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I think that was probably big because so many guys came to net yeah, and, right. you know, but, and you but, had to play defensive. It's and yeah, but nobody else could do it. Yeah. So, but just to just yeah. to uh, go one step further, uh, your your grandma, my yeah. mom, yeah. and two mom gave me my game, uh, yeah. and and when I came out here, I I had a game. Yeah, very solid. When when I came out here, yeah. your dad refined it. Right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And, and more aggressive, make you more aggressive. Made me more aggressive and mm-hmm. and more aware of uh, because my mom the reason my mom and I've said this yeah. over and over and over that g- gave me to your dad and by the way was the only one she would have given me to yeah. what was for that reason because she she knew that she had taken me as far as she could um, and I and I needed a male influence right you know to to go out and play against the best players and and when he refined my game and then and then I started growing and, and and started growing into that game and 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 but but from my standpoint i was never afraid to take what either my mom or poncho gave me and and take it right to the court right you know i i put trust it into practice I, put yeah, it in you, the matches in the matches yeah. right 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 away yeah. i said they, you know they they weren't they weren't going to bullshit me i mean they were going to do something that was good for me i, I trusted them that yeah, you much you got lucky in the sense that your mom really understood the game and, yeah. and my dad, you got two yeah. unbelievable teachers and you listened and you were a good competitor but and i mean, why waste time competitor. doing yeah, it in yeah. practice when you but you, you could you could have got right a it. but what if he'd gotten a bad coach yeah. what if he'd gotten one of these manufactured coaches that is out there right and now just bounce around and does never played never knew how to play maybe knows how to teach a stroke but doesn't know how to play the match so he got that was a very that can make a big difference in a career from a, a guy like who can make your a champion 
but much sooner and who knows you might get injured and never yeah. made it <laughs> yeah i always yeah, find yeah. that interesting that yeah some of the coaches you know yeah. you're like you see them and they're in the box and they're coming on the court and yeah i mean i get that they know what they're talking about but you're right like some of them you're like well like why would i listen to you i mean you <laughs> how, how do you even know that's like, a good you know, point that's you've just point. heard other people who have been in that situation talk about it or tell you what they think because you've never been in it right so it's, uh, you know, having someone who's been there and yeah. knows it is well, like such a different Well, I see it's interesting now, Jim, a guy says to me, he says, uh, you know, he says, you guys, you're 68, Connor's 68. What do you guys know about tennis now? I said, well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> what do you think? We, I, I said, I say, I tell you what, I was around my dad. I've been around Jimmy. I played myself. I, I got better as I got older. And I've learned, and I'm now taught a kid. And I said, I can tell you now that um, to understand the game you have to play those matches to be at his level so anybody who's done what he's done there's no there's no normal coach that could coach you so guys that are saying oh i'm going to go to these like kids today if some kid could come to jimmy and have him coach or he could go to the usta or or a french federation and have any of their coach it's not even close i mean it's like how could anybody think that yeah but, but yet people do yeah. And that's, you know, I think, I, I, I think a lot, you know, a lot of the people, like you say, they yeah. think the game's passed us by, yeah. you, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, but, but if it was, you know, like a lot of the older guys who were sitting in the stands when right. I was playing, right. they, they hung on their every word, right? Uh, you know, if, whether it was uh, Budge or, yeah. you know, a lot of the guys who, Tony Trabert and guys that were around the game. Yeah. yeah. They're hell of good players. Pre, yeah. But pre me. Yeah. Uh, you know that you know they would hang on their words that you know well what about Connors you know and they'd make a comment about Connors oh yeah okay oh, you know well you know they they'd hang on that and now they think you know if we would say something they say well you don't know the game's passed you by yeah you well know. you know what the thing is uh, you got to be a complete tennis player I mean I, th I think it's a big advantage so what is a complete tennis player a guy who can hit through the ball slice can serve and volley play the full court. So if he's in short, he can angle you off. He doesn't have to stand two feet back and only hit the ball five feet over the net. He can have. He has to have that shot too today, to a degree. But you don't. You can't uh, take that away. That if you have an all-around game. So you see a lot of these kids today have one way of hitting the ball all the time, mm -hmm. and just do that. And then somebody like Federer can mix it up. He can slice. He can angle you off. Nadal got a great slice approach. Yeah. He Murray. Can, he can volley Murray. Um, Sitsipas now. Sitsipas, he's great yeah. in net for his yeah. age. And he's he's an attacker. He's an attacker. He's always trying to get forward. Yeah, I, I would say I think one of his issues is his ball sets up a little on his forehand and on his back. He's got great game. But, I mean, I think he needs, with his height, his, he needs to keep that ball down a little lower instead of yeah. whatever, uh, on his approaches at least. Yeah. I think he uh, could, yeah. has the talent to be one, though, someday once, you know, the big yeah. three kind of retire. Well, yeah. I, th yeah. I think it's interesting, though, with the coaching stuff that, like you say, everybody has like a you know a good game when they get yeah. to the pros everybody can hit these shots and these coaches can tell them the fundamentals right. and give them everything in the books and all the stuff and mm -hmm. teach them strategy but then it always comes down to it seems the, you know because everyone's so close it's so yeah. razor thin like with golf also you know the difference between pro and you know not pro is like a you know a yeah. tenth of a stroke or something maybe one year and so it ends up coming down to like intangibles. Right. Well, and and they, I agree with you. And how do you teach intangibles? You don't. You, you know? Don't. Well, so you, that's why I think dad and your, and yeah. my dad and yeah. your dad, yeah. it was so lucky because they were both like sponges to one another. You know, yeah. your dad had all the info, but yeah. was also open to probably, yeah. you know, well, his take, you know, pops well, Intangibles are the, the champions, you know, that I mean, I've seen probably 
geez, I've seen a lot of them, but very few that I would consider. Like, I, I watch my dad play under huge pressure, big points, always playing his best. Jimbo would be playing mediocre. You get to 30 outs, he's a different player. You get to break point, it's a different player. He's always playing better on the big points, playing better in tournament than they do in practice. Can't hit a ball in practice, have a flu, come out and play well. How? That's the intangibles. But I also think it helps to have a weapon <laughs> in tennis. It used to. I mean, he had the great return. Mm -hmm. You got to have a great... You have one big thing, it opens up the court for you. Today's game, which when people are standing two feet back, even though they have the big... They just put the serve and play, the return. So Two feet back is, you, is hugging the uh, line. Yeah, 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 I was just going to say. <laughs> so you put the ball in play, and now you've, give, you've taken away the big return. And it's a rally. Now it's going to be a roadrunner game. And now that's why you have the great, one of the greatest players of all time. And now is Nadal because he has, a, he has everything, but he doesn't have a huge serve and he doesn't have a huge return. He has very good. Mm. But what beats him is once they hit that ball down the middle, he's got the greatest forehand topspin maybe in history, pulls him out, opens the court, and he wins that way in this running game. Mm -hmm. So the whole game has, has really changed from whereas you came in on Jimbo, you're lucky to hold serve when he's playing his best tennis. You, Borg is, you know, Borg passed, you had the greatest passing shots maybe on the run ever, ever seen, never missed a ball, never missed a return. Borg kind of played a, a lot like these guys, but it, they would say he's flat probably too. Right. <laughs> Who do you think his games uh, is most like? I know most people compare him to Nadal because of his yeah. fighting spirit and the fact that they never give up, but that's not his style. No, Djokovic. I almost think Joker. Joker very much right? easier. Much yeah. easier, much complete. Djokovic returns deep. He, the only way he beats Nadal is return, giving him no time. Off, Steps off. in. Steps in. If, he, if yeah. he rallied with Nadal on the first return, good he would net, never good win. Good enough at net. You He's know. good enough at net, but he hurts him with the return. But like, the, the whole yeah. thing about it seems like to me, uh, being around it, uh, yeah. the, the little that I am, but yeah. the, the word neutral yeah. Is, yeah, is big. You know, well, I want to return and I want to start out in Get neutral. Get back to neutral. Get back to neutral. Yeah. You know, I, I was never. Yeah, that's weird. I yeah. was never looking for neutral. Well, right. I mean, I, I understand the weird part is it's, I think that too, like uh, the new, they're always like get back to neutral, which you get when you're in a defensive position, you know, because you're just trying to essentially say get back in the point. Right. You know, if you're just right. running like a roadrunner side to side. But the, the thing I can't believe is how many times someone will play the first three or four shots of a point. Great. Get control, open it up, get a short ball and then retreat. Okay. Or reset, you know, yeah, like, so then mistake, they almost have to win the point two and three times yeah. sometimes. Well, and let's be honest, it is harder to win the, now you, you, you open the court and you, and you, you don't retreat. It is, it seems to me that if you're just going to come in with a good approach with these balls and these courts and, and these rackets and these rackets, and it's the a string. much harder thing than it yeah. used to be. Yeah. So it's you have to now. use you that. You get past a lot easier. Yeah. A lot easier. The ball doesn't move. Like yeah. the old ball, remember this bounces maybe twice as high every ball. If you slice through like a guy like he could, or even, I hate to make it seem like ancient Rose Wall or guys like that who had the slice that just was a knife. Um, on the old days, that ball didn't even come up. You're, you, were, right. you were lucky to get under it to get it to the guy at net. The courts were so different. Yeah. And even the grass was different, number one. Yeah. The, the clay was different, uh, number two. The balls were different there. Yeah. And plus the indoor courts that we played on yeah. was, was a very thin carpet called Supreme Court, which yeah. you know came through like a shot also. So you know the, the lower you kept the ball, right. you, you know, the, the, the better. The better. And yeah. you played on wood too, right? Yeah, I grew yeah. up on wood, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. wood is like ice. It's beyond. Yeah. It, it ball doesn't bounce at yeah. all. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like the, 
I feel like it's still the fundamentals though. Like if you have the control of the point and the person's out wide and, and yeah, you should be able to, if you're big enough, like I still feel like make them hit a sick pass on you. Okay. So you need to have a great all around game today. Yeah. These guys have great ground strokes. They have great games. They, some of them, a lot of them, because they never come to net anymore, lack those shots that could separate them and make them way better. So, and, al- and also following yeah. the ball on, better on, approach. The, on yeah. the approach. Yeah, they you know, it's an angle approach. Yeah. Angle approach. Yeah, sometimes they'll hit it right at, down the middle and then come in. And you're like, oh, you know, like it's in their pocket. You know, they can either they can go backhand or forehand if they want. Well, I, I think I think eventually uh, that, that uh, you know, I, I've said for the last number of yeah. years that the, the next – a great, uh, great player is going to be a hybrid. Yeah, you know, and, and that's just what we're talking so, about. One who knows how to play this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, with with the the understanding and the ability of a, a of a Segura mind yeah. or a Gonzalez right, mind. Right. You know, and to be able to mix up his shots like that, and instead of you know, which is you know, I guess the day would be the closest would be Federer and and and, and Joker. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and and then and, maybe Sitsi tips, Tipsy. Up. Yeah, I think Sitsi as far as the yeah. younger guys yeah. is yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because like I mean, he's been good at the net for years now, you know, yeah. and he's like whatever twenty three or something. But he's yeah. been good net player since he's been nineteen. Whereas you know, watch like Sinner's great, but watch how long it's going to take him a while to yeah. become like solid enough at net. He hits the ball a little better off the ground, you know, tips or even Zverev, yeah. Zverev when he gets to net, it's dicey sometimes, yeah. you know. So like, watch how long it's going to take those other guys to become serviceable, quote unquote. Where like Sitsipas is like okay, but the let's shit go. at the yeah. net. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. And the moment another business's dreams become reality, Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter what you're selling, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person point-of-sale system, an all-in-one e-commerce platform, and even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take it to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Connors, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash Connors for a $1 per month trial period. So let's take the example of Nadal and, and Zarev. Zarev's got the perfect game to hurt to hurt Nadal. He's six foot what five four. Yeah, something like got that. the great backhand. He he has the depth on his backhand. From four feet behind, he's hitting backhands that are just beyond belief. Okay, mm-hmm. Nadal whips that lefty hook out to his backhand. It doesn't bother him. Okay, so that's the today's players. Zarev and Nadal is a classic example. If you leave out the three players you just mentioned. They all play like that, except those guys are the best at it. Nadal's the best at the topspin, and Zarev's got the height mm-hmm. to counter him. Just like Medev should have probably could have beat him, you know. He's got a game to beat Nadal and Cement. Otherwise, everybody plays this. Everybody plays like those guys, but they're shorter versions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Zverev has that nice backhand. That's why he's able to exploit Nadal because he's normally yeah. spinning that up high to people's backhand, and Zverev's six six sitting there waiting. Plus, for he's him. returning huge off the backhand too. Mm-hmm. So, but but if you're yeah. that height and you can and you can take that high bounce away, yeah, uh, from from 
Rafa, Rafa yeah. you know, and, and, and catch it a little bit early. It doesn't have, that spin doesn't have time to push you back. Right. You know, so. so the, and you prevent them from doing it. Right. And you prevent, and so you and can take stop. Away, and take away a split second. So that's what his game, um, we, we can't argue, but his type of game could potentially have done to these guys. So when people say, oh, the, the players today are, are 100 million percent better, they really haven't played. Um, somebody who does that, what he did. Take the ball early, keep it down on him. The ball wouldn't have taken off as big, but it would have been down. So they're mm-hmm. not going to be hurting him with that time. They're not going to be, he's not going to be here every ball. Yeah. Because you're not going to let him do it to him. So that's what Zarev could do. He could improve, by the way. Zarev, I'm, I'm not saying I love he's his He's got team. a lot of potential. He's still. got a lot because mm-hmm. he's so big and such a good backhand and such a good, he has a good serve. Mm-hmm. He's just no confidence. Yeah, the second no, serve. Yeah. No, no it's confidence. one of the more exciting shots he, in the game. Yeah, he's got no confidence. <laughs> for a great player with no confidence, I mean, for a hell of a player with no confidence. And then. But he's able to still make these runs and semis and finals mm-hmm. with the serve going haywire. If he can lock that down, then it's yeah, like, he's going to be he's dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. So, okay, let's just talk about some of the results. We're in the, in the middle of clay court season. We're in the thick of it. Rome is going on right now. We just came off Madrid, where Zverev right. won, beat Berrettini. Yeah, I like his game, too. Seems like yeah. the altitude played a big mm, role there. Good point there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you play Madrid? I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, did and you win it once? Uh Check, no? check, check, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but but I, I liked playing there because it did go faster, uh, yeah. and and the ball traveled through the air faster, and uh, uh, Zarev, you know, with with uh, the way he hits the ball, and and, and uh, Berrettini also is big and strong, and 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 hits the ball. I mean, I, I can see where. Uh, where that benefits them, yeah. but but leading up to that, from Monte Carlo to Barcelona to Madrid, you know, it just hasn't been you know a Nadal circuit. Uh, no, you know, it's which been some is, variety. Yeah, which has been good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's good leading into the French to have some guys. So you know, Sitsipas won Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is a one thousand. Yeah, Masters one thousand. Yeah. Nadal won Barcelona. Which 500. 500. Still a big tournament. Big tournament. He's won that, I think, 11 times now or 12. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Um, And then last week's Zverev. But also with the altitude, you're right. From a gambling perspective, I have a buddy I talked to, and he he was saying, he's like, it's going to be a big deal this week. Serving. The servers, yeah. yeah. He's like, watch out for the servers more this week than any of the other weeks. Because, you know, Monte Carlo, it rains a lot. It gets slow. You know, it rains a lot in Rome. They don't have uh, roofs. They have a roof in Madrid. So, like, the clay never absorbs as much of the moisture, you know, from nature as it would in the other places. So, and then also on the women's side, Sabalinka won. Right. You know, Sabalenka, yeah. her and Barty have kind of been the two best players on tour this year. Sabalenka mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know. She's sort of, a hard hitter. She crushes. crushes she's right. huge. She hits, yeah. she hits early. When she's she on. Attacks. Yeah, she does. She yeah. takes it early. Yeah. She's decent at doubles. Has a couple uh, Grand Slam, I yeah. think, doubles uh, wins. Um, but she beat Barty, who I like a lot. Barty's been pretty consistent. You know, she won Miami. Uh, she won Yara. She won um, another tournament. I can't remember yeah. what it was. She's got right three now. wins this year already. Yeah, I got, that's, yeah, already. that's impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. another final. So I like her. She's consistent. And as far as like, you know, variety, you know, a lot of, like you say, a lot of the players today play one way. And if yeah. that doesn't go right, they just keep going at it. Yeah. And so to see yeah, but someone. She's just not also successful in just one surface. No. Yeah, she's she's got that, what, yeah. that, all, that more all around game. Yeah, that, uh, she hits uh, out Spencer early. Spencer was talking about. She crushes about. the second serve. She 
Well, I think if you asked her, she'd lo- like say uh, grass is her favorite. I would think so. Mm. But she that won- power. But she won the French. Oh, yeah. talking Barty. Oh, Barty. Oh, Barty. Barty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Barty's got it all around, all around. Totally. Big all around. Yeah. Yeah. She has her. options if something. Spy. If she loses the first set, she can like kind of reassess yeah. and, and yeah. try something different. So you know, I think it's interesting. But on the men's side. Three winners. We'll see what happens in Rome. Djokovic is playing this week. Fed doesn't play till next week in Geneva. Um, so, you know, multiple winners. We can talk some of the odds going into the French. What do you guys think? Do you guys think is Rafa another auto pick? Do you just lock him in because every year it's what are the odds on pretty much the same? I mean, I, I, if you want Rafa, he's pretty much even money, plus 110. Yeah, I mean, oh, you getting know, older. Listen, yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and going into a Grand Slam, you never know what can happen. It's a two-week tournament. Yeah. It's, you're playing on the heavy clay. Uh, you're going to be grinding, running down a lot of balls. You know, a lot of things can happen there. Uh, seven matches to win it. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, what's he wanted? 13, 13, I think. 130 times, <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. like that in I a think, row. Yeah. You know, but, but I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's a, a record that certainly won't be broken. Yeah. But, you know, it is, you know, th- things can happen. Uh, and, and, you know, not, not that he's lost confidence because he did win in Barcelona, but be interesting to see what happens in Rome and then, and then going into the French. And, you know, the first couple of rounds there, you know, I think for somebody like that, he'd be looking to, uh, kind of break his way into the tournament. I mean, they're not going to throw yeah. him a zero in the first round. <laughs> no. You know, yeah. so, uh, you know, he'll work his way into the tournament, you know, uh, that that he that he's not going to go in there expecting that but he's but he's going to go and and say that you know i i hope i hope that that i can i can work my way into this tournament a little bit so that you know i can i, I played a lot he's played four tournaments leading up to the french great you know yeah. that yeah but yeah, he's you know, tired me <laughs> yeah i mean you know I, I don't think i ever played four tournaments in a row in my life no i don't well, uh, he'll you know, take so, next week off though he won't yeah. play the actual week before i think uh, you know, he's, yeah yeah that's he's right. got There's one issue i mean yeah. i think he's better he'll beat joe I think because Djokovic hasn't been playing enough. Uh, I think the real uh, the problem is if he has to play Zarev and uh, Tips Tipsy. How do you say that? Uh, Sitsi Pass. If yeah. he has to play both of them, I I, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I mean plus one of them, draw. he can beat him. Yeah, I don't have. But to you know, you know the one thing about I Rafa. think there's one thing that makes a big difference though. Yeah. Three out of five. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of yeah, the young right. guys are they can they can prove they can win it they can win masters 1000s right. you know they can you know, atp finals playing, playing three sets. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. but two out of three is and grand slam and like you said seven matches in two weeks well if he's rested different. nadal is yeah. a favorite against anybody but, yeah but if he's not if he's played five beating you know beating zarev to play t- tip he might beat him yeah i mean so, yeah, see, he almost beats him anyway I mean, he's only going to have to either play probably like Sits, you know, Sitsi and Joker, or you know, Zverev and Sitsi. You know, mm-hmm. he's probably only going to have to play like two of those three guys to win it all. But you know, we, I mean, we, we might say, luck we into like Schwartzman. We say that Joker. he might be tired, but you saw what happened in the final last year in in Paris when he when he yeah. went through Joker, yeah. and you know, in a heartbeat. I think Joker's out of shape right now. It's just something. It's not. He's not motivated. He but, looked weird today in his match with Fritz. He got you know yelling at the umpire because right. of the rain. He always seems to be something going on with him. It's like not just the tennis. The one thing I like about uh, Nadal is that the, he's only got one thing on his mind, though. <laughs> winning. <laughs> That's winning. Yeah. Winning. You yeah. know, tennis winning. Yeah. More. More. And you never. Right. And you're exactly. never he's greedy. Well, that, which is good. That's good. Greed is good yeah. in that situation. Gonna, he's not going to beat himself. But, yeah. Ever. Some, no. some of those yeah. other guys, they might, you know, they kind of, 
you know, might let their mind wander a little bit. They're involved in this or want to do that or meet this person or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's so many distractions out there. You know that. And, totally. And, and uh, but, uh, you know, for, for Rafa, you know, and, and that's, you know, that, that's to, to his credit. I mean, there's, you know, to, you know, to, to be able to keep all that other stuff away from him as, as much as he can. You know, that's, that's pretty good. So, you know, Joker, you said 220 plus 225, team four to one. Then there's a big drop. Medvedev, 16 to 1. Has never won a French Open match. It's going to be tough to put any money on him. Yeah. Uh, Fed, Fed, 16 to 1. A little interesting. No, not to me. I mean, uh, just. <laughs> not to win. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, Sitsi, 16 to 1. Like Zverev, 20 to 1. Those are decent. Mm-hmm. Rublev has been pretty hot, 33 yeah. to 1. No Schwartzman, 33 to 1. How about this one? Sinner, 50 to 1. Oh. Plays Nadal tomorrow in Rome. Tough second round for both guys. Yeah, they I played have. each other a week or two ago, and the doll got him. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, Djokovic played him a couple weeks. Ago. I, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to see how that match, uh, how he plays against Nadal uh, be, before I would. But fifty to one, that that seems a pretty good value. Yeah, you know, for for him and that, and uh, his results over yeah. the past couple of weeks yeah. ha- hasn't been that bad either, has it? Yeah, no, that's center. a kid so, you could improve. Yeah, you could I mean, take that guy. He's got a lot of high ceiling. And make him up thirty percent. Berrettini, 66 to 1. He's got a hell of a game. I mean, he's pretty good on clay. He's, he's won he's tournaments on all three a, surfaces. I like his game personally. Yeah. Um, I think he's the, I would put him, I would go, you got Nadal, then you've got Zarev or Tips, they're the same, and then you've got Djokovic and Berrettini in my mind mm-hmm. as the top. But when you really look at this, I mean, it's, I think it's hard to not take Nadal. But Berrettini on really slow clay is different, though. You're right, like on French. He needs that, that out. He to needs like, that for his serve. The quick. Yeah, got, the quickness. He's got a great forehand. Oh, his forehand's ridiculous. Yeah. But his backhand, you know, it's, if he goes up to somebody who also has a good back, has a good backhand, they get into those rallies. It's, it's Somebody tough. who can return his serve. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But what do you think? I want to ask you guys take on this. RG got pushed back a week because, you know, the French do what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah don't, but they've done that for a long time. Right. Yeah, so yeah. last year they moved it back four months or whatever it was. This year they moved it back a week. But so instead of having three weeks of grass leading into uh, Wimbledon, there's only two. Thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, that's going back to the old days. Uh, you know, going, uh, you know, back in back when I was playing, you'd play the, the French and then you'd go and right away was Queens and then a week off and then and then Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. That's the way it was. So they, they spread it out a little bit, but, it, you know, over the past, but not, but not this year. Yeah. So, uh, listen, I, I, liked, uh, I liked to go and play Queens back in the day because I, I had the next week off. Right. Uh, I also wasn't in the finals of the French. You mm-hmm. know, I was in the semis a number of times and, and, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> or, you, or, you, or you didn't play it. Or yeah. they, they, they kept him out of the French. You know? Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, Damn uh, team tennis. Yeah. Might have had a grand slam. This is funny now, looking yeah. back on, you know, knowing what team tennis has, has been and what it became, that the French would ever think it was like a threat, you know, and that he was held out because he played a couple of matches at team tennis, you know. Was, yeah, was, I think it was the entire ATP that wasn't, it was everybody. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, right. but for me, I mean, that kept me from winning the Grand Slam. No, I no. won the Australian and, yeah. and yeah, you know, had a shot. And had a, had a shot yeah. at the, you know, to play the French. And then I won Wimbledon in the U.S. Open after that. But, 
Hey, uh, listen, a, a chance at immortality, wh- <laughs> what, what can you say? <laughs> I still think you're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. No, not, not complaining. <laughs> well, what do you think, though? So, I always think that grass has been, kind of gets gypped, you know? Like, I think it's cool surface. I mean, I know what you said has yeah. been changed over the years, but still, like, visually, it's a totally, still different. You know, you're yeah. still getting way lower bounces and net play and serve yeah. is rewarded, yeah. Some, you know? Um, and so I always feel like the fact that there's only a couple weeks and then Wimbledon, that that's it. That's the whole, like, that's what the, the they should make Queens a bigger tournament than if they want to do that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what I was going to ask you to take. There's talk that maybe they want to make or start a new tournament or make Queens or holla, maybe a masters 1000 event. People love Queens. Uh, yeah. love to go. To yeah. That's going to be so. a fight to see which one becomes a masters 1000. Well, you're in London and, yeah. and uh, you're, you got your surroundings yeah. and, and uh, you don't have to get up and move. And even though, you know, Hollow's not that far. Yeah. I mean, I, I played Hollow and you went with we me. We went 95. Which, which, was a, which was a great event back then. You mm-hmm. know, just think what it would there, be yeah. now. Mm-hmm. But well, That's but, the only thing about making the case for Hollow is, like, think about it. Are there any other grass courts, 20 or 15,000 seat stadiums in the no, world? No, right, yeah. So it's kind of crazy that, that they have that great. And, and that had a roof before a roof was yeah, was oh, in. So that obviously. Oh, I remember going there. there. Ninety five. We practiced on the outer courts with Richie Rinnenberg. God, you remember do that. Have, you do have a memory. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. a good memory. You were you were just a. I don't know how old. Let's see, ninety five. Fourteen. Or Fourteen. Yeah. yeah. Richie's a big Wall Street. Uh, I think hedge fund manager. Is he? Uh, yeah. Hit us up. We need some picks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been <laughs> brutal. Call, call him up. <laughs> um, and what else? Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, this funny just story about that. I remember we fl- we flew there. I can't remember where we flew into, but um, we didn't want to drive. They didn't want us to drive, so they sent a helicopter to you know we did, we landed, went through customs, got our bags, right. and then we, they loaded us in this in this helicopter. And we're like, wow, cool, you know. So we take off and we're flying to Hala, and you know the guy's pointing out stuff. Hey, this is the Rhine, and this is you know this and and all this stuff. And we're like, cool, you know, we leave the, the headphones on and, you know, and the guy's like leaning over and he's like leaning across me and he's pointing stuff out. Like, look down here. This is a sheep farm and this is that. And, you know, and I'm like, cool. And, and like I turn to my right to like, you know, his side and look out his window. And there's like this mini little prop plane. Oh, I remember that. Headed. That's right. Right at us. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like not far away. Yeah. And. It was almost and, a walk over. And we're like, hey, over there, you know? And we like point, and he just goes like, oh, and just takes the, the stick and goes, like pulls us up and away from this other plane. Oh, so shit. I always thought that was a that was funny story. Those helicopters are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, we, basically. We, we were lucky. Totally. We were lucky. We made it. Dodged the, one there. And then on the way back, they didn't want to give us a helicopter after you right. played, and they'd gotten what they needed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a car for you now. Uh, so we took a, a car on the Autobahn, back remember we were no, gonna fly yeah. out the next morning and we're going like 110 or whatever this yeah. guy's driver's like flying on the autobahn boom blow a tire oh shit. <laughs> yeah all of a sudden right. you know like and all of a sudden we're on the side of the road uh, and so i was like wow this is like kind of a risky trip here yeah. <laughs> they didn't invite us back either yeah. did they no <laughs> but yeah i think uh, I, I mean i think it'd be cool to have more grass yeah, tournament. well, you know, I, I I can only respond to you know to when I was playing because back when when I was playing, uh, they had the leading up the tournaments leading up to Wimbledon, then they had Wimbledon, then we'd come back uh, uh, in the United States and play, and then also the U.S. Open was on grass at the beginning. Yeah, four of your slams are grass. Yeah, right? and the word yeah. and terrible grass. I mean, we're talking the ball doesn't bounce. Do yeah, you feel like you'd be better 
today on this grass because it kind of seems like it favors uh, rallies and, you know, people who can keep the ball in play, you know, like well, it's not like bang, 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 quick so much. Well, I, I go back and, and, and I look and, and I see Borg, you know, with the way the ball bounces, won five Wimbledons in a row, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and he beat some pretty damn good players in the final. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, with, with those bounces. So, you know, how do you think he would have done too? Yeah. You know, yeah. with the with the way the ball bounces now, and and uh, uh, the uh, the difference of the ball and all that, so uh, you know, what would it would have it have been nice to to have had that little extra second to you know to be able to step in and hit the ball a little bit earlier? Yeah, but would the ball have gone through the court as much? I don't know. I don't. Maybe yeah, not. Maybe it doesn't, not. Doesn't it, go through the court. It doesn't more. go through the court anymore, and the balls fuzz up after, depending on the surface. Like that, that one that Palm Springs tournament uh, that uh, was the. Oracle, the owner. Indian uh, Wells. But Larry Elson, mm-hmm. they've put, that court eats the ball up and the ball fluffs up on you. Yeah, they put so much sand, I guess, So the on ball the court, does right? not go through, it does the opposite. Really? It just sits there. Hmm. Like a kind of like a softer ball that you hit and it's spongy and I don't know. So, <laughs> so maybe that's, that's why they've taken away the aggressiveness. In a way they have, you know, in of, my opinion. Of, of the game, you know, by, by allowing that. You they know, have. the ball gets so big that, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's easier to run down the the equipment and and everything they have allows them to to be run three and four and five feet outside the court and still whip yeah you know with such power and, and precision mm-hmm. you know at the same time so maybe you know maybe that's been a yeah that's you know, the game that one we of the guys reasons. like us I mean I don't I'm saying Jimmy I don't know I can't speak for him yeah. but we don't have that game and uh, this guy watch Tipsy he was he's got this he's kind of a hybrid he's got the top spin and he's got the thing totally. attack. I was watching the points, and he's doing that thing that Nadal does where the ball goes in and then Dips. falls in. Dips. And he's yeah. doing that on oh, yeah. clay. And whereas his game looks orthodox, but he can do both. Yeah. So that's the game, that component nobody that played in our era had. Yeah. Because the rackets wouldn't, you couldn't you even couldn't come, have those grips and stuff. You'd break your arm trying to do that. Yeah. yeah but no. So is that harder to do than it's short angling a ball? You know, and drop shotting like the other guys, and drop volleying and yeah. volleying better. These guys can't volley. Most of them, not all of them. I think it's it's tough. It's like it's almost lame to try and compare. Yeah. Because but, like the people who played in the different eras, like their games evolved and grew up with what the stuff, you know, the equipment was right. at the time, and the right. balls and all that stuff. So like when they're like, well, you know, what would you Connors play against Fed now or whatever? Well, if you guys played at the same time, your guys' games would have evolved differently. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you would have been able to have a bigger serve if you played with those big rackets from a, as a kid. Till you th- like, you well, think? Well, you know what I mean. I don't know. A lot of it's oh. size, though. If the guy like that is arcing that ball back on you on the baseline, and, and he's able to do that off a good shot, and it's a defensive shot, Yeah. and you're not 6'3", that ball, that's going to hurt you if you're on the baseline and that ball bounces in because you're going to be up here. I'm so just that, saying, yeah. like, almost yeah. like when you learned, you almost didn't, a lot of people almost just put the ball in play. You would almost you just spin it in play to start the point a little bit. You know, like yeah. it wasn't looked at as like, this is the biggest weapon in the game. Serve well. You know? Right. Or like now it is. You know, like, we'll look at Wimbledon. Like, that's why they changed it is because it became so fucking unwatchable. You know, like yeah. this boom, boom. Yeah, and by yeah, the second yeah. week, the grass is trash well, and there's no Sam, bounce. You had and, Sampras who you know, one of the greatest servers of all time. Yeah. Great, great. Uh, so I think like even and like those, I mean, you know, great players and everything, but just the, to watch it is not. Yeah. Well, you didn't have, but it's who the matchup is. If you have Sampras playing uh, guys returning, it's mm-hmm. going to be a great match. Yeah. If you, if you have a guy who can't return, 
it's going to be boring. <laughs> now, if you have two guys that just belt the ball from five feet behind the baseline and run side to side, that's boring. So you've gone too far the other way. That's all I'm saying. We, maybe it was too far with, you know, Sampras came up. Uh, you didn't have, like, Jimbo playing Borg and McElroy, guys that kind of did everything. Mm -hmm. Sampras could do everything, but he was just so good at serving big and, yeah. and so fast and had a huge forehand that he didn't Great need hands. to do. He didn't need to hit three ball, five balls. Yeah. So, so, but then the other hand, you have these guys that are rallying like it's a workout. Five, seven cross-court backhands, five cross-court forehands, six blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Like almost uh, like it's a drill. Exactly. So right. it's a, you, know, you need in between. So well, we talked. We talked about you know a, a lot of those playing the uh, the the French. Uh, what about Americans? We don't have don't have any Americans up there. They're even talking about Dewey. I think that's because for the well, men. Think about for it. the men, right? Yeah. So L.A. Southern Cal was the center when we and everything was fast courts, grass courts, and then clay in Europe. Right in summer, mm -hmm. some clay in the United States. I think it's almost the reverse. The clay's the cement's been slowed. So. So there's no advantage to growing up on cement courts. It's a disadvantage. So you took out the western part of the United States out of tennis, basically. You've got to be in Florida. Right, or, yeah. And you've got to be playing in Florida. And then still you're playing on a different type of clay in a way. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not These, the same. That it's not the same. And so I think that's one of the reasons. And I think the other reason is the, um, the system here where you have um, – Pros that aren't really the coaching the kids, they're not really supported by the USTA. The USTA takes the kid to their 100 court complex and gives him a new coach, maybe tells him changes his game. They got to make it more fun for the kids in the United States to play. Europe, they're on teams, they play other clubs first, and then if they get really good, they, get, they play for their federation against another federation. I mean, everything's a team, they get all these perks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know kind of what's really going on now in junior tennis here, but. It just seems like, at least from the East Coast, they they got they're not making it fun enough for these young kids. Yeah, no, no American men in the top thirty yeah. since time began. No, just since that's the ranking system <laughs> began. Well, that's, that's used about to be the time, reverse, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I guess uh, the the top American uh, that would be Taylor Fritz. Fritz, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, he's you, like thirty, some thirty-one, maybe it's thirty. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Isner was was a top American for a while, and and you know his uh, his results haven't been. Sam Query hasn't uh, his results are, you know, haven't been up to standard. So you know, so you you have uh, who who's the young kid coming up? Uh, uh, Corda. Oh, he's uh, got big. I watched Corda. him. Play, I saw him play in Del Rey. Yeah. He's got a, a tremendous talent. Um, you know, he's also he's six, three or yeah, four. He's a big yeah, kid. Big, big, big serving. Moves can, pretty good though. Moves, for a big kid moves very well. Can serve and volley. Can, can approach with the back and forehand. He's a little slappy, but it's big. So I mean, if you play him high in that rally game that they do, he's. He's built, he's built for that. Yeah, but he's he's young. He's what, yeah. 17, 18? Yeah, you know, 18, so, I think. Yeah, he's got so a lot of improving to do. He's got some improving to do. Yeah. And, and But it seems like, you know, the 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 men seem to be struggling a bit, uh, you know, and, and with nobody in the top 30. But the women are crushing it. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, yeah, you know. Two admit, players in the top 10. Right. But so, so it makes, what, what? What's the difference? You know, why are the women crushing it in two in the top ten? And you know, you've got uh, Kenan, Kenan. You got Serena, Serena. still. You've got uh, Sloane Stevens. Keys, Keys. Keys. Yeah. yeah. So she's got a great. I love her game. So and Allison Risk. I mean, you got like a, just a, like a lot of depth. Sixteen. Anna Samova. Golf. 
you know, Jerry, like how's there's the future right there. Those she's two, been talking Kenan. about her for two years already. Almost forget about yeah. her, and she's what sixteen, seventeen What's now. She ranked in oh, the world. Brady, you know, yeah. Brady yeah. made the semis and yeah. the finals the last two slams. You know, uh, Shelby Rogers is forty three. I mean, there's this like there's sixteen American women in the top one hundred. Right. There's ten men. So it's not like it's, you know, we're struggling to have anybody, but yeah. it's just our guys don't start till 31. Right. right. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, it seems like, you know, uh, Query and Stevie Johnson and uh, Sangren and Isner, you know, they're kind of on the second part of their career. Also get older, right? You know, yeah. and as far as the guys coming up, it seems to be Fritz, Fritz and, and Corda. Well, yeah. Fritz is a... but he seems to have hit a wall the last couple of years with his improvement. Shaky forehand. Yeah, he's got he's kind of a weird grip, and yeah. he's a nice kid. He's you know really athletic and fast. Well, he's a great athlete. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It's, he seemed to like kind of hit a wall. At like you know, we're, let's, let's see where he's at. But what do you think? I mean, I I stand by that the reason the women are so much better, you know, quote unquote better than the men, is that the the American talent for men athle, men's athletics right. it gets spread thinner. Maybe yeah. Because there's so much money to be made and, you know, uh, scholarships to be had playing so many different sports. Whereas with the women, there's, you know, less scholarships because there's always more for men. And then there's less money to be made playing, you know, WNBA or soccer mm-hmm. right. or so like hockey. The tremendous you know. athletes aren't playing tennis and men's. Maybe that's what's happening. I mean, look at the got Corda. He's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, but you don't have a lot of fast. Uh, uh, Fritz is a great t- a hell of a tennis player. I don't think he's as athletic as Corda. So you could argue that there must be, you know, a, a numerous other great athletes that aren't playing tennis, that are playing basketball, that are playing football. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what I think. Yeah. And I think yeah. if, if you have talent, you're an athlete and you're a woman, you know, like you get funneled or channeled yeah. into golf yeah. and into tennis because it's like, look, you know, yeah, money for yeah. one yeah. for sure, but also just even like education, you know, a job or you get into yeah. like a sport and then, you know, become a trainer, you become something affiliated with the sport. There's so much money in these two sports that like mm-hmm. they suck up all the like, you know, right. female talent in, in the country. In the world, really, right. you know, like look at Asia, how many amazing golfers, you know, come from Asia and then you talk about Corda. Corda's two sisters are like top Top 10. Top 10 golfers right. in the world. Right. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> Two top 10 golfers and a top 40 tennis player. It's like, how's that family doing? Yeah. <laughs> and it's busy. also individual sports don't attract as many, at least in the United States, it's not as fun. <laughs> it's, they don't make it like a great, it's not, it, you go on a team, these kids celebrate <laughs> in the band, you know, they're 12 years old, they're all partying afterwards. The great, you know, uh, camaraderie. Tennis, the you know the parents are yelling at them. The parents are ready to get in fights on the sidelines with each other. It's an isolated thing. I mean, it's a different. And it's an expensive yeah, but, sport. Expensive. But also playing yeah. an individual sport yeah. is is that's all on you. Yeah. You know, uh, so there are uh, that's a certain group of people and, and, and not athletes. Everybody. Yeah. Yes, that's not for everybody. Right. You know, a lot of guys like to 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 be covered or blend in. Or blend right. Blend in is and a excel better for a moment. And they can't have to. You don't have to excel all the time. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or uh, you can ex- pick when you want to excel or whatever. But the weird yeah. part to me is that the way tennis is is that, especially in the U.S., all you have to be is the top two or three American, you know, tennis player, or even top five, and you get to say I'm I'm a, the top five in my sport in the world from this country. All right, you know, we're right. like how many great football players are from America? 
you know, there's like every pro, almost 90% of the pro bowlers are probably American. Right. 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 You know, there's tons of great NBA basketball players that are American. The top right. whatever out of blank are American. But like tennis, if you can just excel and be one of the top five, you know, you become the shit to like advertisers. I got one of the top five players in the world. That's like having, uh, you know. Uh, oh, because of the market. Yeah. Say. Like, you know, like LeBron is like, let's say one, you know, mm. in the world. So that's uh, the number one tennis, you know, number one American. Yeah. So then like the fifth guy would be the equivalent of like, I don't know who's the fifth best player, like Dwayne Wade or like somebody who's great, you know, Mm -hmm. in in basketball terms, the fifth guy is great. Not good, but he's making a fortune though. Where in tennis, if you can be a top five or 10 American, you're going to make a pretty good career because you'll get sponsors because you're American and like the American companies are going to want to sponsor an American kid and that kind of stuff. So I always. But you're also, also competing against so many other sports and so many other players for every job. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you talked about you know, endorsements and things, you know, you know, you're 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 up against basketball, baseball, football, you know, tennis, golf, you know, you're you're fighting against so many. But but let's say Masayama, mm-hmm. you know, just won the Masters. Yeah, uh, you know, he's he, he created a new number. Uh, you know, well, they said our, that could be worth a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, but but if, if he did that over here. No, yeah. it'd be different because he's 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 jumping up against so many other great athletes and everything. But but over there, it's a it's a one of a kind. It's a it's a, I mean, I, I think he's the first uh, Japanese player to to win a major. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, where's that put him? Yeah, you right. know, in, legend in, in status a, forever legend. now. Yeah, after one. Yeah. Oh, Somebody's got to be the first. Yeah, but 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 only after one Grand Slam. I mean, yeah. and, and they're saying that already. You know, not that he's not going to win more. I hope he does. I like him. Well, I like, like the, one is more important than if he won the next ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's it one. Got him started. When it's he's that guy forever. Right. So now every kid's going to be like Matsuyama. Right. You know, like why'd you why'd you start playing Matsuyama? Right. I saw Matsuyama wear the green jacket. You know, and that'll like spark a generation of kids that are going to get into the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so you'd almost you almost want to be first more than like get two or three because yeah. you know it's, it becomes immortalized. Yeah, you're right. Number one is is the best. You're right. Yeah, and and, and I, you know to, I I I like watching him play. You know, I work uh, not work at it, but I try to get better at my golf game and watching him swing. You know, is is good for me because he swings so slow. Mm-hmm. You, know, and, you know, he used to have that little hesitation at the top. Yeah, remember that? that uh, and, and I like that because I could I could actually see. You know, and, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, the other, a lot of the other players, they swing so fast. I mean, if you blink, you missed it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I could I could catch him. And, and uh, I, I was happy they won and, and uh, because it, it created more interest and, and more uh, excitement for for golf, which is uh, which I like to see. And then the other thing in golf, he I seems like, like a nice guy. Yeah, he's he cool. And then the other thing I like to see is Spieth. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth, who who uh, had such a run like three, four, five years ago, and then fell upon hard times, mm-hmm. and and for me, you know, uh, and and I'm, I'm saying with the utmost humility, I mean they they wrote me off um, in in '78, '79, when I didn't win a Grand Slam for three years, and and it's easy to take a guy who has been on top, falls upon hard times, and say next. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, next, and and that he he stayed in there. Whether he changed his game, he changed his attitude, whatever. He came back and and Easy. has had one one hell of a year. Yeah, a number uh, uh, three or four seconds, and then he won a tournament. Mm-hmm. And and to see somebody like that fight through, 
uh, uh, the bad times, you know, I, I, I wish him nothing but success, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to have come out of that. I mean, there's a lot of other guys who, who probably did it also. And, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not just, saying that he's just the, the, the latest. Interesting to see someone come and burn so bright. Cause I, the thing that pops in my head is uh, a little bit like Duvall. You know, he maybe right. wasn't around as long as Duvall, but Duvall came on the scene, had those, like, couple years. I mean, remember he shot, like, 59? 59 in Palm Springs. <laughs> on a Sunday it? to win it. Right. Not just some, like, oh, I was at the back of the field, you know, 59. Ooh. He won it with right. the 59. You know, where he won the British. He won, in like, two or three tournaments. He won, like, three tournaments in a row one year, which was a lot in golf. It's hard to win back-to-back. Um, and then he kind of fell off, but never had the total comeback that hopefully Spieth can have. Because mm-hmm. I like him, too. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you said, you work on your game a little bit. I, well, work is a wrong word. Did you hear yeah. that, Spencer? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear what happened a couple weeks ago with this guy? I know. I, did he clean out the entire club there? Eleventh. <laughs> uh, whoa. Hole in one. Eleven. Wow. I, I did. Eleven. That's good. It's uh, disgusting. Uh, That's fantastic. Now, it was... Uh, Talk us through it. Well, <laughs> let, let me give it to you. We pulled up to the ninth. Where were you playing? We, we were playing Glen Annie, uh, a, a course in Santa Barbara. Okay. 175 yards. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, I wind? At, Any wind? Uh, just just a slight little breeze, you know, but... Uh, yeah, in just, your face? At no, your back? Just, just a little right to left down. Okay. And... Uh, so I, 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 I just, I, I pulled, I just got this new set of clubs. What'd you get? Uh, <laughs> got to give us some details. <laughs> All right. I, I, I got the new Mavericks okay. uh, and, and, and they're hot. You like them? And yes, I do. And, and, uh, and, and so I, I pulled, pulled out my club and, uh, and I, I stepped up there and I just said, you know, I, I had a kind of a rough hole, the, the one before. And I said, I'm just going to get up there and, and, and think what I've been doing and trying to, to improve on. And and I, I hit it and I striped it and, and our buddy Jerry, uh, what'd you I, hit? I, I hit an eight iron. Eight iron. And and my buddy our buddy Jerry says he says that's going to be close. That's a hole in one. That's good, you know like that. And I bid down and, and I picked. Wait wait wait. He said it's going to be he a says, hole that's in gonna one. That's going to be close. Jerry Fall, yeah. the ultimate cooler, the cooler of all time I, coolers. I, I said I that so, usually means it's going to bounce out of the hole. That's what I out thought. Out of bounds. I, I thought it was going to go over in the, the water, over the green. I had a little down <laughs> downwind. So the, the, we're playing a fivesome. Uh, and uh, we, we pull up and there's only, there's only four balls around close on the green and around Mm -hmm. the green. So I said, ah, Christ. So I went back and I got my wedges. I thought I'd gone over. Yeah. So I went back and got my wedges and, and, uh, Jerry walks by the hole and he says, What's down there? <laughs> I, go, I go, oh my God, I didn't see it. You know, because I didn't I, get to see it go in. I, no, oh. I, I, I bent down to, uh, yeah. to pick up the tee and and, uh, and kind of move on. And and yeah, it was uh, it was pretty exciting, I will say. And 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 I, you know, I, I've had eleven. I, I don't 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 get me wrong. I am a bad golfer, you know, but I, I love trying to get better. But it just goes to show. I mean, I I know there's there's guys out there. It, I mean, 11's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I saw, just to get in here, I saw a, a clip, I don't know when it was, over the last, in the last year, of John Daly. And he's, he, John Daly's playing through some guys at some course. And he, John Daly plays like barefoot. You know, he's like, he's, he's a legend. And the guys are letting him play through, so they're filming him. Hits it, you know, he's like, okay, thanks. Kind of the same thing. Goes to pick it up. And then they're like, oh, oh it's in the hall, you know, in the hall. So they, you know, everyone's going crazy. And someone goes, how many is that, John? 11. 
<laughs> and that's John Daly. Yeah. You know, John Daly's probably played a few rounds of golf. Yeah, he's pretty good sure. at it. So uh, I'd, I'd say that puts me in some damn good company. That's pretty good that's, right there. Uh, I've only that. seen you do one. I've never had one. Have you had one, Spence? No, no. So, yeah, maybe you could let us borrow one yeah. or, or two. So what do you do? You, you have everyone sign the ball? I do. And then do you keep them in a special place? I, I do. I have them, I have them in, a, in, in my uh, Wimbledon doubles trophy. I kind of kind of stack them With up. Uncle Nasty. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and, and I, I put the date on it, and uh, and it's it's pretty exciting. It was it was, you know, you think that oh okay, but you don't know how rare that is. You know, well, yeah, that's the thing is how many times have you just hold out from like a hundred and fifty from a fairway? Not often. Once. Less than like five, probably. Oh, right? once. Yeah. I, I know, just one time. Which, which makes it like more ridiculous, you know, like you're yeah. not holing out, you know, once yeah. in a while, making yeah. a hole in one yeah, once right. in a while. You have 11 hole in ones yeah. and one or two hole outs. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it goes to show. I that, hate you. Christ, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, but it, it's, it, it's so exciting every time. Yeah. You know, that, that's the key. I mean, when, when I went to pick that up, I, you know, I, I didn't even get it out of the hole. And I said, where's the pen? Hey, you know, come on, sign it, you know, yeah. and, and uh, to, to get it. And, uh, and then I went home and I put it in my, uh, on my little trophy case. Pretty cool. That's great. One problem, though, five-some? <laughs> Holding one negated. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We'll let it slide. Um, all right. Uh, I can see Spencer's getting a little antsy. We'll yeah. get wrapped up here. Oh. But... Spence, I want to talk to you. Yeah. You made your career in the financial world. Talk to me about like everything that's gone on with the crypto and the GameStop and all that stuff. Talk to me about that, oh. and talk to me a little bit about like you know okay. your work and everything. Well, I'm more in the private equity kind of venture capital. I, when I I was a lawyer in L.A. and uh, a tennis enthusiast named Ted Forsman, who was the sponsor of the Huggy Bear. I don't know if you remember him. He's passed away now, but. He was also a famous financier. He loved tennis, and he gave me a shot to go to New York when I was already in my 40s. And I was an entertainment, I was been an entertainment lawyer. I was in real estate development. I was like the guy who didn't really like any of his jobs. <laughs> so I ended up uh, going to New York and uh, getting into the place I could really only get into is was early stage companies, the hardest to finance and the most risk. And I was very lucky in that, but I learned a lot. But, uh, but you know, so... Uh, but in terms of the crypto, because I was around technology a lot, and not, not an expert on technology, but I was around how do you finance these companies and what kind of huge risks they have and, and sort of get, I have a lot of experience with them in terms of how they build a company in, in technology. And crypto is, is, is like, it's almost another world. You're talking about, well, it's the currency aspect, but the technology behind crypto is this enabling technology called uh, blockchain. Mm-hmm. And crypto, the currencies itself, I'm not an expert. By, I do know that what's happened is the younger people are looking at crypto like the older people used to look at gold. It's something that cannot be so um, inflated by the creation of more of it so easily. So they feel confident that this is, and because of the trading and the, and the secrecy and all that, they view it as an alternative currency, which cannot be distorted by the government, okay? So the younger people are buying into that. And so gold, which was, which is like that, but actually there's a ton of gold in not just gold coins, there's gold in people's houses and their jewelry. But, so you really, 
it's not as finite, but or it, they don't perceive it as being as finite as crypto. So that's a large reason for younger people are buying it and holding it and looking at it as money in the bank that can go up and over time will be accepted. Each currency is different, but mm -hmm. that, so that's, and there's going to be a whole world of companies in blockchain that are going to explode in the next, that are going to do well, not currency plays, but things that are going to enable different things on tech. I'm in one deal called True Tickets, which is a, I'm an investor in it. It basically enables on electronic tickets for the, for the uh, venue, you know, the theater or to track the ticket all the way through and receive a commission and control that, that for the ticket. They know who the ticket is. So in COVID times, you, you know who sat two seats away at that seat. And so and scalpers you, don't like that. Yeah. yeah they don't get a hate. They don't like they, you, dude. They don't, they're, <laughs> not me. I'm just an investor. These guys are at a MIT and super smart guys. But so I got involved more in the side of financing these early stage companies and I'm proud to announce I got one of the most conservative investors in my last deal. <laughs> Mr. Who's Connors, that? Mr. Connors. Uh, to the I, moon. Let's go. Yeah, so we're doing a crazy deal. Uh, not crazy in the sense that I never did biotech, but I, I got intrigued by this because I thought I wouldn't get caught up in having to finance an entire biotech company. Uh, male pattern baldness. Um, which is very interesting. You lose your hair as you get older, 65% of all men. And when they lose their hair, they don't, the hair is alive under the skin. The follicle doesn't grow anymore. Mm -hmm. Hair grows and falls out in a cycle. So now as you get older, testosterone blocks the signals at the base of your hair follicle okay. and your hair doesn't regrow. So gradually it thins and thins and thins and then all of a sudden you're bald, depending on how bad you got it, right? Mm -hmm. this, science, this professor at UC Irvine, very famous guy in hair studying it saw these moles on people that had all this hair you know you've seen like the wick i always think of the wicked witch of the west uh, mm -hmm. a, mole, a, hair a bunch, out of, of, bunch of hair coming out but like 20 hairs out of a little bowl <laughs> yeah. so he saw these studies on bald guys with big moles and tons of hair he said well what is in the mole that resists this testosterone uh, blocking the signal he figured out what that was and now we've basically License that technology. We take mice that are special immune suppressed mice. We take human skin from the back of your head that has hmm. hair follicle, and we are growing that hair in record time that shows that we're stimulating the growth. So now, if we can patent it, which we don't know we can, or if we can, uh, we're going to the next level. We, mm -hmm. we did it on, so we've got a very big proof of concept, and now we're going out to raise serious money. Uh, so, right. And then I have an, a migraine. So I don't ever do startups anymore. I'm too old for that. But I found a company that was in Distressed, which is a really venture company, um, has a device that uses the MRI pulse, which is a mag transmagnetic pulse, to quiet your brain and to prevent migraine. It's a huge problem. FDA-approved device built by the guys who built the uh, cypher stent for J&J. &J. Mm -hmm. They spent $72 million perfecting this and had $20 million of in debt and they couldn't refinance the company. I got involved with the CEO and we, we restarted it and um, nice. that's a huge play because uh, it's basically a women's disease. 36 million people in America, I think about 70% are women. Ten, a third of them have serious migraines, like one, four or five a month. You have a migraine, you lose two days of work generally. Mm. So we're there to prevent migraines. 
And um, Jimbo can give a lot of guys a migraine on the court, so I'm going to sell a lot. <laughs> I'm just trying to help the workforce, trying yeah. to get those people back to their yeah, jobs. Get, job. get back. But here's what I mean. Back let, work. let me give you the good part. No side effects. Approved by the FDA. For What's break. the name? Is there a way to invest? E-Nura. How do they invest? Uh, well, we haven't or, done that yet. It's, it, um, it's gonna, we're going out with a private placement. Right now, you can go to the website. Which, so when we took it over... They had no money, so we, we basically have slowly brought it back. We've redone the website only slightly. It's E-N-E-U-R-A. Um, and here's the big thing about it. No side effects at all. You can use it as much as you want. It communicates. They send you the device. They turn it on. And all of a sudden, your data is being transmitted to the cloud. So then sh- the doctor gets to see how many times you're using it. They send you a log once a month. You describe your progress with it. And unlike drugs, serious side effects, they don't know if you're using the drugs or the insurance companies don't. So our only hurdle is getting the insurance companies to pay for it now. And we're one third the cost of the major drugs that prevent migraine. And we're about, uh, and we're no side effects, as I've said a hundred times. So so I think we have a real shot on that one. So it gets me going, keeps me busy. I think yeah. the and I got to just say one thing. If uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm an investor, and, yeah. and uh, working with him, it's time for him to get back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, the markets have been like tremendous, and I'm probably catching the tail end of it now. But for instance, this technology, transcranial magnetic pulse, that does the migraines, it's already out there in two public companies that do depression. So if you're depressed, you go to a shrink's office. They have a huge machine. It goes around your head and sends the same thing that we do, but we do it portable at home. But those companies are valued in the hundreds of millions, and they're basically just getting going. So the, the it's one of those kind of moonshot things. The market's so big mm-hmm. that if you, and we're already FDA approved. Yeah. So $72 million into the company before I got a hold of it for next to uh, Pupkis. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I have a stock that I like. It's uh, it deals with like, some of the stuff you're saying, yeah, depression yeah. and right. like addiction. It's called right. NM. Sorry, MNMD Mind Medicine. Okay. And just got put on the Nasdaq. It's like three bucks a share. It, but is it's, it a drug? It's a drug. Yeah, it's a it's a like a bio that's yeah. gonna start doing research they're already doing research but with like the psilocybin which is oh, like the, oh, yeah, the yeah. drug and mushrooms right you know and uh, probably eventually like dmt and like these you know quote-unquote drugs that have been had like a negative connotation or been right. criminalized for so long they're going to hopefully open up the restrictions and let testing yeah. you know and then you know they're not going to use huge doses you know they're going to use small doses of the thing to and it's supposed to help a lot with like depression yeah i mean the addiction problem, that's it's fascinating but it, it, it sounds great but the amount of money you have to spend on these trials to, oh yeah to show that it's safe first and then that it works second um, are so huge that generally you need these big partners. So your real risk, you could have the greatest thing in the world, is that you can't raise enough money mm-hmm. to get through to the, all the, the all proof. The, yeah. And then the so, FDA, all the hoops they make. Yeah, so I, I never do biotech, but whereas the migraine's already proven that it works, whereas the hair thing, we have to prove it works, but hair is such a huge problem, and it's never paid for by insurance. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if you lost your hair and you want it, you, people pay a ton for that. So we think that one of the big drug companies, if we get these things positioned right, would take it over and finish it. We, we would never go have to go all the way with the, yeah. uh, through the FDA. But, so every, you have to have your strategy for these, these yeah. companies. Uh, and I'm no scientist, but I, 
The one thing you've learned about COVID, science changes every day. Oh, one yeah. day they think, oh, it's four feet away. Next day it's, you know, it's just be in the room and uh, mask works, mask, that's how science is. You never know. It's evolving as you do it. And so you're gambling your life when you, yeah. <laughs> if you bet a ton of money in these things, you can lose a ton very easily. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. I think the one interesting thing about the crypto is how that's kind of, that was the first thing we all, the first time we ever heard blockchain was yeah. with the crypto, but yeah. now that technology is like, you know, it's bleeding into everything, everything, everything. And the guys that lead in that NFTs and all that great stuff. Business. There's going to be huge companies built in crypto. Yeah. You know, they're all, they're already there. They're just, you know, you're just hearing about them now. Yeah, like Coinbase went yeah. public. You see that? I yeah. mean, like uh, the, the rapper Nas, who's yeah. just one of the like greatest yeah. rappers from New York. Yeah. $500,000 investment, mm. 100 mil. Found out 100 mil, but did he get out? I mean, <laughs> probably. I think yeah. they made the shares so you could because the main dude sold like the first two days or something. See, that's sold, amazing. Like, so I, the, my big home run was a company called Next Level. And you had to wait. And, and it went to $22 billion market cap. We did the deal at a... 100 and uh you, you had to wait six months of the lockup after and, it went public yeah and then everybody's selling so generally and what happens is all the tanks and tanks when, how long did you have to wait with argosy i, I had one of those <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, yeah yeah argosy came out in uh gaming in, company uh, which is uh, yeah riverboat gaming company back uh perfect timing uh, yeah, it real was good great company. timing it was uh, the first riverboat and you know when it came out we you know we had a uh a, a, a partner share that we could sell, but you know we had to hold for a number of time, and you know our our stock shot up to thirty nine forty, and you know you're just the, sitting there. And, and paper you know, money's yeah, fun, yeah, you know. But, but it's a real company, it probably Argosy. Whereas most of these tech yeah. companies, they don't have earnings. It's just nothing, right. Like those my those depression companies I'm telling you about. Yeah, nothing. So not, no, and you got to buy. So give you an example: the business model on the depression, you got to buy a two hundred thousand dollar machine. And the shrink has to buy it, and then you got to go to the shrink's office and use that. Now, mm -hmm. it costs the shrink a ton, yeah. right? Our thing is $1,200. Portable. Portable. You mm -hmm. use it every day, much as you want. Is it? Is and it you rent it for $350. Is it only mm -hmm. good for migraine? It, we, it's, well, we've only proven with the FDA it's good for migraine, but it's common sense that if you're, whatever you're, the mechanism of migraine is very similar, fibromyalgia, epilepsy. It's the level you send this thing into the brain. So mm -hmm. we're sending it in the back of the brain, mm -hmm. not tremendously deep because you, you need a huge electric source. So the big machine is to send it for depression. It's going way deep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's uh, this, the future like this. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Musk. Musk. He's involved a lot with the brain, but he's on another level. He's trying to do way more ambitious things than this. MRI pulses are safe. Mm -hmm. He's doing stuff like he wants to put electrodes in your brain. He wants to put a chip in our yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the monkeys he's so testing you, on and shit. You seen yeah, that? He's or got they a, play Pong with each other. Yeah, he's got that brain. kind of money. He can do that. <laughs> he can screw around with that. But he's a you know brilliant guy. But that's that's really ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. We right. talked forever. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been fun. I'm glad to glad to get you in town, Spence. Thank uh, you. Give my best to the fam. I will. Pops, any last words? Yeah. You know, follow us at Vantage Connors, and you know, get in touch with us on. Twitter at, at Jimmy Connors and, and uh, follow Brett. Yeah. Follow me at, at Brett underscore Connors, him at Jimmy Connors. You can follow us on Twitter at ADV Connors, Instagram at Advantage Connors. Good. All right, guys, it's been Good. fun. Good being with you. We'll talk to you soon, and Spence will get you on here Thanks again. A lot. Love fun. it, man. A lot of fun. Bye.
truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.